This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 115, Navigating Burnout. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. I am happy to be here. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, if this is your first time. So happy to have you here. And if you are a regular listener, then thank you for continuing to listen along. So today, the topic we are talking about is burnout. And before we dive right in, I just want to share with you that I have a new video series that I have created, and it's called The 30-Second Solution to Burnout. So if you are interested in learning a little bit more about what you can do for burnout, then make sure that you sign up for the free video series, and there will be a link in the show notes that you can get it there, or you can go to my Instagram or Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching, and there'll be links there, and you can access it there. We have been talking all about compassion fatigue and secondary trauma or secondary traumatic stress in previous episodes. And basically, those are the terms that are used in more helping professions or with caregivers. So compassion fatigue, if you recall, it encompasses both secondary traumatic stress and burnout. But burnout can happen on its own, and that's why I want to talk about it. It's not just part of compassion fatigue. It can happen in many workplaces that are not in the helping space. So there may not be the element of secondary trauma or compassion fatigue. And burnout is often associated with work, but it can happen in other areas of life too, in relationships and parenting. And we'll probably talk more specifically about that kind of burnout on another episode. But first, let's define what burnout is. There are many definitions, and as I said, it's like an umbrella term. We kind of use it for everything, even though it's not quite accurate. Like I've said previously, compassion fatigue, secondary traumatic stress, that's different. But burnout is often what people just refer to because it's familiar. And you'll hear people say it's like they're burning the candle at both ends. Maybe they're hitting a wall. They're just not able to do it anymore. They're running out of steam. They're completely overwhelmed. And so these are some of the typical answers that I hear when I ask somebody to describe to me what they are feeling like when they're burnt out. Now, burnout was first coined by Herbert Freudenberger in 1975, and it was defined primarily by three components, emotional exhaustion, which is the fatigue that comes from just caring and doing too much for too long, depersonalization which is considered the depletion of empathy, caring, and compassion. So it's an increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativity or cynicism. And thirdly, a decreased sense of accomplishment, so an unconquerable sense of futility. So feeling that nothing you do makes a difference. And it's really also a reduced feeling of productivity and efficacy. You're just overall, like I said, not making a difference. Now, emotional exhaustion is a big area that hits a lot of professional women, actually. And emotional exhaustion happens when we get stuck in an emotion. 
Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski, they wrote an amazing book called Burnout. And they said that emotions are like tunnels. If you go all the way through them, then you eventually get to the light at the end of the tunnel. But if we get stuck, then we can become exhausted. And sometimes they suggest you're stuck because you're constantly exposed to certain situations. So sometimes we're stuck because we're constantly exposed to certain situations. And sometimes we're stuck because we have no idea how to get through the tunnel. We don't know how to process the emotions. And then sometimes we're stuck because we're trapped there by personality traits or expectations of culture or society or the patriarchy. So we're stuck and we can't get through the tunnel at all. So it's like the tunnel is broken. And then often it's just a combination of those three kinds of stuckness to different degrees. Now that was one definition that was put out there. And another definition that was put out by Beth Stam, who's another leader in the field, she said that burnout refers to the chronicity, acuity, and complexity that is perceived to be beyond the capacity of the person. And then finally, the definition that I prefer to use is one that my mentor, who's also a leader in the field, Dr. Eric Gentry, he first offered, and I believe it was back in the 90s, he said that burnout is the chronic condition of perceived demands outweighing perceived resources. So let's take note of the words perceived that are both in Dr. Gentry and Beth Stam's definition. It is perceived. It's all about our perspective, our lens, our story. It's about the perception of the difference between what is being asked of you and what resources you actually have to give. Now, if I think of burnout as the idea that we feel like our tanks are empty to do the things that we need to do, and they're not just almost empty, but empty and running on fumes and this feeling like you just can't run anymore, that you hit this wall so completely overwhelmed that you feel like you just can't take another step. And you feel that there are so many demands placed on you and you just can't keep up. So burnout can also be viewed as kind of like a lack of emotional resilience, a lack of energy and resilience reserve. And that is a lack of resources. It's the perception that what you experience is beyond your own capacity to deal with it. And let's think again that what is the definition of resilience? Well, resilience is the ability to bend and not break, to bounce back. You deal with the adversities in life, you weather the storms. But Rick Hansen, who's a neuropsychologist, he says that true resilience isn't just that, not just bouncing back and bending and not break. Rather, it's also preserving an underlying sense of well-being and happiness and meaningfulness and satisfaction in your life. So it's also being able to look forward despite the storms that you're navigating. It's very normal for us, for our tanks to go up and down. It's very normal for us to, at times, feel okay to be fueled and energized. And sometimes we may feel this way like after we go on vacation or have some good self-care, but then we start to dip lower again. Now, burnout is really when we perceive that tank to be really low and we're having a hard time filling it in ways that have always worked previously, or we're just not doing the things that we know we need to do to fuel ourselves on a daily basis. Because burnout happens when the fuel that we have is all used up and has not been refueled. And guess what? If there is no more fuel to burn, then you will start to burn you. If there's no fuel in your tank, you will burn you. 
the burning continues on. Now, what may surprise you is that what you refill yourself with is actually all within you. You have the resources. You just don't know how to access them. Your nervous system, your brain, you are the solution to your burnout because burnout is actually a nervous system problem. Now, that is not to say that there are not systemic problems or problems in organizations that need to change. Listen, we know that policies need to shift. Organizations need to change. We need to be making sure we are advocating for change. Many of our workplaces are toxic. There is unfair treatment. People have excessive workloads. There's poor communication and support. There's unreasonable timelines. There's deadlines. There's expectations. You really simply can't possibly get it all done. And there are so many demands that are placed on you and there's not enough time to do them. And if I had a magic wand, then I would change so many of these things. But they will take time to change. And we certainly cannot stop advocating and being a part of the conversation for change and making sure that change takes place. But we do need to start with what we can control. And the good news is we can control our response. We can control what we do. We know that a key to dealing with burnout is prevention. We know that building up our own immune system, so to speak, is needed building up the antibodies that we need to build our immunity to burnout. That is something that we can focus on. Now let's for a second start talking about some symptoms of burnout. How do you know you are quote unquote burnt out? And I often say to people, if you're asking the question, I'm not really sure if I'm feeling burnt out, is this what burnt out is? It doesn't really matter whether you truly are or not because again, burnout is a nervous system and a brain thing. So if you're asking this question, you likely are already on the path to burnout. But if you want to know what some symptoms are, I'm going to give you a list. Now, bear in mind that they are different for everybody. So you may have symptoms that I'm not going to talk about, and that does not mean that you aren't struggling with the burnout. But usually the kind of symptoms that we see are things like irritability, being cynical, being resentful, dreading things, being easily frustrated, really tired, exhausted, fatigued, low energy maybe close to tears often, overwhelmed, feeling paralyzed in your decisions, anxiety, sadness, lethargy, decreased pleasure, being really reactive. Maybe there's a loss of interest or you're being super forgetful or bored or you can't turn your brain off. Maybe you are dropping the ball. Maybe you don't care about dropping the ball or maybe you're dropping the smallest ball and that brings you to tears. So sometimes people will be constantly procrastinating feeling like they don't make a difference, that nothing you do matters, little accomplishment. Perhaps you feel like you really can't keep up with all the demands. There's never a minute to relax, constantly on the run when you feel that you don't want to be. You may struggle with sleep. You may struggle with depression. Your relationships may be strained. And you may struggle with self-doubt. You may find yourself isolating and withdrawing. And you may be turning to unhealthy habits to numb like overeating, overdrinking, over shopping, over scrolling. So as you can see, there are a lot of symptoms. And as I mentioned, there's a lot more. Why is it a problem to have these symptoms? Well, there is only so long that you can run on fumes before you completely stall out. 
Your nervous system is not meant to be in a chronic state of stress. When you stall out and get stuck, then you're not able to do anything for yourself or anybody else. And often stalling out comes in the form of illness, physical and mental. So many of the health concerns we have these days, mental and physical, are due to our inability to manage our stress. So many of us are struggling with health issues, and we can see how these health issues can obviously negatively impact your quality of life. And they will also impact your relationships. So your relationship with your partner, friends, siblings, coworkers, it can interfere with your ability to parent. It can interfere with your interest in being with other people, your connection, your relationship satisfaction. And it obviously can impact you on a professional level, your confidence, your ambition, your satisfaction with your work. And then overall, it just feels terrible for you. Impacts your self-esteem, your ability to find joy, purpose, to create meaning in your life. This is why we don't want to ignore the symptoms. The symptoms are like the messenger. They are telling us that we need to change something, that something needs to shift. Now, we can't talk about burnout without talking about stress. Although they're not the same, they do go hand in hand. And I've talked about stress a few times before on earlier episodes of the podcast, so you can go back and revisit those. But let's just do a little crash course so we can learn where burnout fits in. So let's talk about what stress is. People use the word stress to describe everything. Sometimes we use the word to describe what's going on inside of us, like I feel really stressed, or sometimes it's what's happening outside, the problems that we face. And Dr. Gentry, who coined that new definition of burnout that I defined earlier, defines stress as nothing more than a physical reaction to a perceived threat. So I just want to highlight the words physical reaction. This is why You cannot think your way out of stress because it actually is going on in your body. Stress is a physical, physiological reaction. Now, if I asked you the question, is your life stressful? You would probably answer yes, because you're a human with a human brain and stress is an unavoidable part of life. And if you're feeling burnt out, you are very likely to say that you have a stressful life. But we want to dive deeper and look at the cause of stress because the cause of stress is tied to the cause of burnout. I want you to finish this statement in your mind. My stress is caused by, and fill in the blank. Now, many of you are probably saying my work, my boss, my family, money, my school, my health issue, my injury. But the truth is, that is not what causes stress. Those things that you probably just filled in the blank, they are what we would consider stressors. There's a difference between stress and a stressor. And as long as you believe that the stressors are really the cause of stress, you will continue to feel the symptoms of stress and burnout. Because we mistakenly believe that stressors are the source of our stress. Now, it's reasonable to believe this based on our past learning history from our own experiences, as well as the messages that we've received around stress. We've heard how harmful it is to our health and that it's something to avoid at all costs. But what actually causes stress is more of an equation. And I've shared this equation before on the podcast, but I think it's really important to share again. So we're going to define the parts. We start off with a circumstance. 
These are the things that happen in our life, and we can label these as stressors. Now, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper to talk more about these, but I'll mention here that there are external stressors, so like work and family and school and money and time and culture and expectations and traffic, all the things that are external to us. And then there are internal stressors. These are our thoughts, our images, our identity, our memories, past, future. So these are all stressors, external and internal. And again, we're going to dive into these in a second. But for now, let's just put both of them in the equation as stressors, external and internal. Next, nothing we do is in isolation. We have past learning associated to everything that we do. What we have learned about these past stressors is part of our learning. Now, we have this amazing brain, this amazing prefrontal cortex, and we can learn anything. But unfortunately, that also means we learn things like bad past experiences. Our brain remembers things. It remembers how we felt in junior high or when we were embarrassed in high school. These things become our past learnings. Next, we throw into the mix perceived threats. And basically, perceived threats are what we think. It's our mindset, our opinion about all the stressors that we have in our life. So you have the stressor plus the past learning plus the perceived threat, and then our body responds. Our body reacts to how we think. We have a physiological reaction to how we think. So for example, our heart rate and breathing rate may change. We may feel tension in our muscles. And even the access to our prefrontal cortex and our language skills diminish, which means we lose our ability to really think critically and rationally. And our body then prepares to enter into a state of fight, flight, or freeze, which we call the stress response. So this is stress. We become dysregulated. Now, if you think back to the podcast I did a couple of weeks ago where I introduced you to the zone of resilience, we can become hyper-aroused and hypo-aroused. Usually, we go to hyper-first, where we have increased energy. We're in a state of protection where we're trying to fight or flight. And if we're not able to do that, then we move more down to a shutdown state, to a hypo-state. And this is where burnout lives. If we stay in this state too long, we can develop this burnout. This is a zone of dysregulation, of protection, where we feel helpless and hopeless. Now, one of the things that I share in that new video series that I was telling you about, 30-Second Solution to Burnout, is something called the Yerkes-Dodson Law Graph. And basically, that graph shows how stress or energy or anxiety, whatever you want to call it, this increase of energy in our bodies, is needed a certain amount in your life in order for you to perform and get things done. But if you have too much of it for too long, it will take you into the zone where you end up burning out. So like I said, burning out is really a state in your nervous system. And you cannot think your way out of burnout. You have to first regulate your nervous system. So again, if you're interested in getting that free video series, it's called 30 Second Solution to Burnout. And I go through it in much more detail, and I have to say it's really good. I initially designed it for helping professionals and caregivers, so it has a bit more of a slant towards that. But as I've said, I think we're dealing with burnout in epidemic proportions at work and at home. So what I teach in that video series can be so powerful for anybody. And again, the link is in the show notes. 
All right. So you see how stress is linked to burnout. Stress is actually the physical or physiological reaction to the perceived threat after it has been combined with past learning. Now let's take a closer look at the stressors that we have that we're usually all contending with. The stressors in our life, as I said, can be external, meaning what gets triggered in us by things that happen to us from the environment, external to us, circumstances, other people, work, traffic. Or they can also be things happening in the world at large, like inflation or the economy. Or it can be the external things that are happening to us personally. The other kind of stressor is what we call internal stressors, as I mentioned earlier. These are our thoughts, our emotions, images, stories, dialogue. And I also look at internal stressors as some characteristics or personality traits or tendencies that some people have. They have found that people who are, for example, perfectionistic, they often have a great tendency to burnout. People who have very strong inner critics, people who struggle with procrastination, which is often linked to perfectionism, people who struggle with being assertive, maybe they're too much of a people pleaser, and people who struggle with self-care. All these different personality traits and tendencies, they are actually at higher risk of burnout. And so then I would consider these to be also internal stressors. Now, both things can be happening at once. External and internal stressors are both in action all the time. And with either one, our nervous system and our brain encounter these stressors, triggers all our past learning, perceived threat, then our body responds. If there is a real threat, then great, we're going to respond appropriately. But for the most part, we are safe and the threat is merely perceived. So then our body responds as if it is in danger. We have this physiological response to what our brain is thinking, and we lose our ability to actually think rationally, and we enter into the stress response. So we often have to deal with both external and internal stressors because both are around, and they can show up separately or together, and there are some common solutions, but there are also some different solutions. For example, With external stressors, we primarily want to do what I call stress reduction. And basically with these external stressors, you want to try to get rid of any stressors that you can get rid of. That kind of makes sense. If you have a pain in your butt and you see that you're sitting on a thumbtack, well, first check to see if you can get rid of that thumbtack rather than start to work on acceptance or the mindset, all good things. but First, can you simply just reduce the stress by moving that thumbtack? And I like to talk to people and my clients about the math of life and the drama of life. And I use this a lot when people are sharing that they're feeling overwhelmed or having too much to do. I get them to do the math. And basically, they have to list out everything that they have to do with the estimated time required to do the task. And then you look. Do you have enough time? What is the math? Or are you setting yourself up for failure because the math just doesn't fit? Are you trying to do 30 hours worth of work in 24? Because you're not really going to be able to drop the overwhelm if you're trying to do too much that is impossible to do. An example I love to use is booking a trip on an airplane. When you go to find a flight, you try to get a direct flight. You try to 
First, find the direct flight. And if you can't find a direct flight, then you look for one that has like one connection or two connections at most. You reduce the number of connections. If you do have connections, the next thing you look at is, okay, what airport are they going through? Is it a big airport? Is it a busy airport? Will I have enough time? So you're going to consider the timing, the different airports. You're going to consider, do I have carry-on luggage only? Do I have all my documents that I need? So you try to do whatever you can do to make for a smooth flight. Now, even if you do that, things can go wrong. There can be delays. There can be bad weather. There can be lost luggage. So we'll get to that in a bit. But first, you do try to reduce the chances of problems. You reduce the stress, and this is called stress reduction. This is the math and the thoughtful ticket booking. But then we need to look at the drama. Well, the drama is all the other stuff. It's what you tell yourself about the stressors. So it's that internal dialogue, what's going on in your mind. So maybe you're thinking it's not fair. I shouldn't have to deal with this. You use very overgeneralized terms like always and never. You might find yourself complaining or exaggerating. You let your brain worry. You can go really far into the future and cause some anxiety or lament the past and feel really sad. And with the ticket analogy, maybe you're going to complain. There's too many connections. There's too many lineups. There's bad service. There's no airplane food. And this is the drama. And it's totally normal. But basically, you're just letting your brain run wild. And it's not very helpful. Now, many people will say to me, well, I have this dialogue in my head. It's not like I'm like making this stuff up. It's not fair. I shouldn't have to deal with this. And what if it really is impossible for me to do what I'm asked to do? I really do have too much to do. Yes, that may very well be a real possibility, and I will definitely give you that. In fact, for many of us, this is the way life is. There is too much to do. Life is not fair. We're not going to be able to accomplish all the things we need to. We can't follow through and deal with all these expectations. But I will offer to you, if you already have too much to do, too many demands, too many expectations, then will adding extra layers of the drama really help anyone? All it does is it raises the level of stress. So to deal with external stressors, we do what I call stress reduction. And then to deal with many of the internal stressors, we do what I call stress resilience. What can you do to boost your ability to manage and choose your response? Now, stress reduction, we're looking at what are the ways or the tools that you can use to reduce the stressors in your life? What is in your control to change? What circumstances can you change? Now, we know that we want to place responsibility on organizations and policies. They really need to be changing as well, changing the culture, changing the demands, changing the policies. But we cannot sit back and wait and rely on things to change externally. So that's why we also need to go internal. And stress resilience is asking yourself what tools and resources and strategies can I use to build up my own personal resilience? What are the personal resources I can build up? How can I build them up? 
And it's actually quite amazing. If you change your ability and change your perception of your ability of being able to handle hard things, lots of things can change. Dealing with burnout requires both the reduction and the resilience. All right, just to recap, burnout is twofold. It is a brain and nervous system problem, which is great news because we can change and learn how to prevent and resolve it. We can build up our own resilience. We can become more immune to the effects. We can be doing things on a daily basis to take care of burnout. And that's one of the reasons why you're listening to this podcast, the Building Resilience Podcast, that things that I share with you here are ways to build up your emotional resilience. And those are things that you can use to help you prevent and overcome the stress and burnout in your life. But there is also systemic, organizational, cultural problems that play a big role in the development and maintenance of burnout. We need solutions that help individuals, and we need solutions to make the changes at the organizational and policy level. However, we can't just wait for the organizations to change. We want to be part of the change. We want to advocate for the change. We want to fight for the change. We want to create the solutions. But in the meantime, we need to be taking care of ourselves. And we do that by increasing our own resilience. I like to think of it like we know there are toxins in the environment. And so we don't want to just sit by and not try to deal with them. We need to work to clean up the environment. But that is not enough. If you have been infected, if you are sick, then we need to treat you. We need to take care of you. We need to help you prevent getting sick again. So we need to be doing both things. We need to ask, how can I take care of me? And that solution is twofold. Engage in stress reduction, where we modify tasks, change the circumstances, maybe get some extra help. Use strategies to deal with all the external stressors. And that may mean we have to change a job or change a relationship or do something different to change up our life. We basically need to search for the flight with the least number of connections and do what we can to ensure a smooth flight. But we also need to build the resilience. We need to learn how to deal with some of those internal stressors. And the tools to use to build up their resilience, like I said, is what I'm trying to share with you on this podcast. If you go back to episode 108, The Resilience Symphony, I share with you the components of resilience. And they include regulation, reframing, releasing emotions, reconnecting with yourself, with others, with a higher purpose, and realignment with your own values and mission. That is burnout in a nutshell. It's a big topic. We're going to be talking more about it. And if you really want to learn more and dive into the solution, then make sure you sign up for my free video series, The 30 Second Solution to Burnout. Hope you have a great day and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.